0: Lead me to some soul today, oh, teach me, Lord,
1: just what to Welcome, everyone, to episode number 75. I know I've said this several times, but I can't believe 75 episodes that we've done. But uh, this series is, uh, of episodes is called Leading Others to Christ. And during these episodes, we're going to be focused on evangelism. And I've said this several times, this was my COVID project, and uh, we wanted to find out who are the ones that are out there that are involved in leading others to Christ, involved in evangelism, who are they, where are they, how are they doing their work? Uh, We wanted to interview men, women, couples, uh, preachers, elders, deacons, uh, members of the congregations, and, uh, and find out, as I said, how they are doing the things that they're doing how they're reaching their family and friends, people in the community uh, with the gospel of Christ. And this has just been so exciting. And we've just got a lot of things that have come out of this, but uh, more about that later. My name is Dan Barker, uh, and I work with the uh, Vestavia, I have to get used to saying this, I work with the Vestavia Church of Christ, uh, suburb of uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, and I'm working here as one of the evangelists focusing. on, focusing on doing the very things that we're going to be talking about today. And uh, those of you that know me, you know that uh, I'm passionate about this subject. And I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in in Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, And ever since then, and and this, uh, you know, obviously I'm not making this up, but I've been just passionate about learning how to teach others, and I've made so many mistakes, and when I first started, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, And uh, and but learning how to teach others, uh, to use some phrases that I've used every time, to sow the seed, uh, to be a, a fisher for men and women, and to teach others how to do that as well, to make disciples, to persuade men and women to to teach others, and I've always referred to this passage in 2 Timothy 2, too, where Paul, there talking to Timothy, you'll remember he said, In the things that you've uh, heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. And then later in that chapter, and I've always been motivated by this, where Paul tells Timothy to be useful for the master. You know, just just think about that. How many of us would see ourselves as being useful for the master today? But he said, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So uh, this, uh, again, this is part of the reason why we came up with the idea to do this. And, uh, you know, we're so excited today to have with us number, I guess, well, get people a jersey or a number
0: or something to wear. No, your <laughs>
1: We have with us today Shane Miller. Hey, Shane.
0: Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, welcome. Uh, we're excited. Uh, we've had a chance to visit just a little bit on the phone uh, leading up to this, and uh, we're uh, we're so excited uh, to have you with us today. And uh, Shane uh, works with the uh, the North Hickson Church of Christ there in Chattanooga area, and uh, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but. Uh, Shane, let's start out. Now, you've heard some of these episodes, what, what we do. I, I've called it the elevator pitch or the short bow. And uh, tell everybody that doesn't know Shane uh, where just a few things like where you were born, uh, the story maybe about when you became a Christian and kind of bring us up to speed, if you would.
0: So I'm from East Texas originally, and I'm in the, the sticks of East Texas, the Piney Woods of Nacogdoches. And um, so I was raised by Christians. Uh, I attended a church, actually, that if if somebody knows a church in that area, they're probably familiar with it. It was the Mountain Star Church that is now the Stallings Drive Church. And so um, I had the great privilege of being raised by Christians, had uh, grandparents and and so on. but uh I became a Christian. Uh, I was initially baptized at 12. Also, you know, thought about that and was baptized again later. Um, but then I started preaching at 16. It was kind of a funny thing. I did my first invitation. And then there was a, a son of a preacher uh, that had been, you know, a member there and everything. And he came up and was like, hey, have you ever thought about preaching? And like, i hadn't I kind of stumbled into preaching. I didn't have the call or anything like that, but I was asked to go and preach at this little bitty congregation, like less than ten people that that kind of thing, very very small and uh I ended up doing my first sermon uh and I had more sermons done than I had done invitations uh in just a short period of time so but um uh, that kind of opened up the whole world of preaching for me and so Uh, basically it's kind of like you get a reputation once you can preach in one place um, in east texas there's a lot of little small churches around and so i got asked at all sorts of different churches around there to fill in and do all that kind of thing but uh, eventually i ended up working with a church and training there um the loop 287 church there in lufkin uh, with brady cook we talked a little bit about that earlier and then uh, i had a short break in between um I was working with another church. After that, I kind of started working with them. And then I had a short period where I wasn't preaching because I was engaged. And uh, so I wasn't wasn't doing that. But then I ended up getting back into preaching in uh, 2013. And I've been doing that full time, like located in the actual place uh, ever since. So that's kind of the uh, the short. Uh preached in East Texas and then ended up over here in Chattanooga. And I've been here about about four and a half years. So. Four
1: and a half years. So, what's the uh, just a thought? What what's you know we we say this a lot in the in the interview because we've interviewed people obviously all over the country: New York, Florida, Georgia, California, Washington, Canada. Uh, and uh, di- just real quick, the difference in the 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 work because of the community that you're in, the environment, Texas compared to Tennessee. What what would be one thing that comes to mind?
0: Well, they both say y'all, so they're pretty similar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a lot of similarities. Just I don't know if it's culturally just from this area compared to where I'm from. Um, But I guess the difference here compared to East Texas is there's not really a lot of churches here compared to how it was in East Texas. And so maybe that's just a Chattanooga sort of thing, but uh, that's been one of the biggest adjustments for me is um, I don't know. It just seemed like there was more people that I was connected with and relationships and that kind of thing. But, right. um, but I guess that's one of the biggest things for me is just, it's uh, a little bit, a little bit different in that way.
1: Okay. Uh, well, it's uh that's come up in some of the interviews uh, like if we were, Think about Chattanooga compared to Harlem, New York or uh, Chattanooga compared to, I mean, it, it's just, uh, that's just a, a big part of, and, and when, uh, when we move into different communities, that's one of the challenges. And that's what we're going through right now is learning, learning our way around and learning names and learning uh, Now, happen where we are right here. Uh, I mean, there's congregations all over the place, uh, sure. you know. And uh, so uh, that that that's, again, different from uh, from what we had there in the area in Indiana. But, you know... I'll
0: say uh, one, thing. I'll say one yeah. thing on that, Dan, is that uh, this is the biggest church I've ever worked with where I'm the evangelist. And it's also the biggest town that I've ever lived in. So the little town I grew up in was like 30,000 or so. And yes. then the church I was with before, the town was only like 8,500 people. Like it was really small. And coming here, it was just a change in pace, and it's uh, there's so many people, so many uh, people in the church, but so many people in the community. Uh, it's definitely been an adjustment period for me to just kind of, kind of acclimate myself.
1: Sure. No, I understand, and I think most that are listening would understand that too. <clears throat> Since we're on that, kind of on the cusp of it, tell us a little bit about North Hickson. Tell us a little bit about the congregation.
0: So the church here is just over uh, about a hundred or so. And I actually work with uh, another guy here, Byron Nash. And so he joined us uh, about, I guess, about a year and a half ago. And um, it's just, it's a real encouraging group. They're supportive of me. Um, they put their hand to the work, they're real generous and that kind of thing. And uh, they just, it's been a real positive thing for us, but it's a, it's a pretty good mix of ages but there's a pretty good bit um, around my age. So a lot of um, like thirties to early forties with young kids and that sort of thing. So uh, that's been, that's been good for me because I have four kids and it's also been a a very different um, experience for me because a lot of the churches I had worked with before, that wasn't necessarily the makeup of those churches. So um, it's, it's definitely just a different situation.
1: You, uh, you mentioned this, you mentioned, uh, four kids. What's your wife's name? Alina. Alina. Uh, uh, you maybe have heard me do this on a couple of podcasts that that way we can give Alina a shout out here. How does she help you in your work
0: as an evangelist? Oh, uh, all sorts of things. Um, so I I have the opportunity sometimes to go to like Puerto Rico or other places and she is just she holds it down at home. And yes. then if I am going out for a class <laughs> or a study or something like that, you know, she's taking care of the kids. And for me, one of the most important things for for our relationship, I don't know if every preacher does this, but I talk about the Bible with my wife like all the time. And so, if I'm studying through a concept, or have an idea, or I have a question, even this morning, I was kind of just, you know, kind of dumping some things that I was thinking about on her, and just kind of, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or here's how I will feel about it. You know, I do all that that kind of thing. I do that all the time. And uh, she's just my best friend. It's great to have her. Uh, if I didn't have her, it would. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where I'd be.
1: Well we uh we haven't done that as much as we should have with every episode but uh trying to do it more and more because uh you know and i know i wear my wife gay. i wear her out talking to her because a lot of times she's the only (laughs) only audience i have and uh and she says i'm getting worse as i'm getting older you know keep (laughs) telling stories but that that is what it is but but I think it's great too that your kids get to see that how how mom and dad talk and how mom and dad work together and and that's a great you're teaching without even realizing what you're doing there of uh, uh, even those interactions and uh, so that's so give her a shout out for us okay tell her we uh, yeah I will yeah okay great um, I know uh, one of the things and I wanted to give it as much time as we could <clears throat> you shared something with me I thought was fascinating of your of your interest in the Hispanic community, uh, and uh, and I want us to give us that time because I think as such, uh, there's there's people out there that are listening to us that this might be the one thing that they take away from from this, <laughs> and it might might motivate them. I didn't mean that's the way it sounded, but uh, but uh, this uh, it might motivate them uh, to do what you what you've done but may it may not be in spanish it might be in other languages uh where they've got connections or whatever but so tell everybody about the uh about why you're so involved and interested in the hispanic
0: community yeah so i guess part of it is that i growing up in east texas actually my hometown has a pretty big influence of the of the hispanic population so the first restaurant i worked in A lot of the ladies there, they spoke Spanish. And then uh, one of the jobs I had as well, the guy that taught me, one of them, uh, he was bilingual. And so it was not an unusual thing for me to be around that. Um, But I kind of, you know, started and stopped and never really learned. And then uh, I never had like a Spanish class in high school or anything like that. But it was something that, you know, you always had the idea. I love to learn this idea or I love to learn this language. It'd be cool to have it, you know. And uh, anyway, so years later, I uh, had a friend of mine that actually is now living in Puerto Rico, Caleb Westbrook. Um, I was getting to where I was wanting to mature, you know, to, to increase my skills, to, to uh, grow in those ways. So I was thinking, maybe I should get my master's or maybe I should do something in original languages. And I was talking with him and he's like, you know, you should use you should learn Spanish. And for for multiple reasons. One is obviously you're going to be able to teach more people. And there's actually a really big need in the Hispanic community. Like you see, the some of the you can't see it on the podcast, but all of these books here. Uh, it's hard to get resources like this in Spanish. They're just not. It's not in the same categories, right? And then um, it was going to be cheaper, obviously, and it was also just really more practical. Uh, there's so many opportunities where I look back over the years of trying to work on it. <laughs> If I had not put in the time and energy and effort to learn Spanish, I just basically wouldn't have that relationship. It just, it wasn't, it wouldn't be there. And because I've done that, I, it really has opened a new world to me uh, of opportunities. Like I just one example, if I hadn't learned Spanish, I would not be teaching a class to some people in Guatemala right now, or uh, teaching and studying with them. Uh, I. It just wouldn't be there. And so that's um, that's one of the ways that for me, I have improved myself, but it's also been kind of a door because even if you don't speak Spanish very well, it's like, Dan, you've probably been to another country where, you know, English is not the first language and you're just kind of trying to stumble through and have conversations but when somebody comes up, if you're in a crowd and you can't understand any of the language, but when someone comes up and says, "Hey, Dan, how are you? We're so glad you're here," they speak your native language, even if it's in a you know a broken you know the accent's not that great or whatever. You can just um, you just feel different. You feel sure. a connection with that person that is really really hard to uh, hard to define and understand until you experience it. Right. And uh, so anyway, that's that's uh, at least some of the short of it. I'm sure you got some more some more thoughts on that.
1: No, I just think it's uh, uh, just the, the fact that you were motivated enough to uh, to learn, to take the time and the energy. Um, and I think there's a lot of things like that, that we, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but you know we procrastinate or we think, well, I can't do that, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too whatever. But, uh, when you look around, like we talked about the other day, talking about the Hispanic community, uh, looking at numbers. And I was remembering we were talking about things that, looking at 10 years ago, uh, yeah. and, the, and those numbers obviously in, in all areas have gone up considerably. And, uh, there's just a lot of people in our communities, wherever we might be that if we aren't equipped to do that, who is, who's going to be able to teach those folks. And, uh, or another way would be if you have somebody that's in the congregation that does speak Spanish, where you could partner up with them, uh, go to studies and take them with you, where they they in, in essence become the interpreter. Or they're, uh, there's just lots of things that can be done. Uh, you don't have to go to Guatemala or Puerto Rico, right? Oh, sure. They're 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 just around the corner and down the street. And uh, uh, I just I just find that that fascinating. So I, I would encourage you to keep. You know, how old are you?
0: So I'm 36.
1: Yeah. See, it, it by by the time you're my age, <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> sorry, but you'll be really good. You'll be really good. Uh, but uh, no, I, I just think that that's fascinating. And and you're right. There's an attachment there uh, that people feel that you're making that effort to learn, and and they appreciate that. They appreciate the fact that and the, and you're serious about it. So that gives you more credibility as you're uh, talking to them and they're listening to you. So I I just, I just think that's great. Uh, sure. We have, uh,
0: go ahead. And I'm not the first person to do this kind of thing. I mean, there's a lot of people as you look through it, but it is sort of a kind of a fringe kind of thing, but now there's so many resources. There's so many things that are available people in that we, we just, you know, we tell ourselves a lot of lies, Dan, And one of those, is I can't learn another language. That's just, it's a lie. Uh, And we can, we can, it doesn't, it doesn't come easy. It's definitely a lot of effort. But um, I mean, it was, I was 30 years old when I decided to, to kind of get after it. And I had friends and resources and all sorts of things that have helped it, uh, helped it come along. But uh, you know, there's one guy that I, I appreciate in a lot of different things, but he said if something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly at the beginning. And that's th- and that's how it's true in evangelism. It's true with all sorts of things. And it's true for languages, too.
1: No, I, I think uh, I think that's exactly right. So we we need to give ourselves more credit and look for people in the community that e- even in our congregations, that there's a lot in a lot of places. Uh, you know there's talent there and people have just never thought about how they could be involved That they they've got that background where maybe maybe you meet somebody that's from from France and, and you've got somebody in the mm-hmm. congregation that can speak French and, and can help make some connections and who else do they know one, one person leads to another so that, sure. that kind of leads to the what we have been calling the conversion story uh is is there a story that you could share with us that, that comes to mind when you think about your work as an evangelist?
0: So thankfully, you know, the Lord has, has you know, put me in places where I've been able to teach and, and help other people. But as I've grown as an evangelist, I've realized the most important stories are the ones where I was, I was, uh, I wasn't as involved as much. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I'll tell you this story. <clears throat> so There was a young lady. Her uh, name—I won't say her name. She might get embarrassed or something. But she was coming with uh, with one of our members at the time, and was listening to me preach. And she would come to my meetup that I was I was doing on um, during the week. And there would be times where she didn't disagree. She disagreed. She didn't like everything. But eventually, um, you know, she was coming and everything like that. And so one of our members here who was another young single lady at the time, uh, actually a couple of them, they took this lady under their wing and they went through and taught her, befriended her, worked with her. And they started just reading the Bible together uh, and just kind of working through various questions and that kind of thing. And then uh, ultimately, like they ended up breaking up and she ended up moving and that kind of thing. But right after she had moved, because she had this relationship and this connection over here with these two uh, two ladies, she became a Christian. And so she is um, she's being you know faithful in the church. She was there. She ended up moving to another place. She's still faithful there. And that's that's the kind of things for me. Those are the stories I like to hear, because. it's everybody um, looking at the gifts they have, the relationships they have and saying, hey, I can do something. I can be a friend. I can read the Bible with them. And uh, because for me, just think about it practically. I'm 36. She was in her 20s. The relationship's just different. You know, I, I, I can't be a friend <laughs> uh, to that extent. And a lot of times when it's the preacher that teaches the study, Maybe the preacher's the only person you know at the church. And right. it just becomes kind of a strange, difficult dynamic that um, that you have. And you, it's better for me to help others to equip them to do the work instead of me doing the work for them. And it becomes part of a culture. It becomes part of everybody kind of working together.
1: Wow. Uh, several things there you said that kind of hit hot buttons. But uh, that's a great story. And uh, I love it. Uh, We've talked about this too. Uh, You're mentioning the women there. Uh, I'm afraid in, in a lot of our congregations, well, it's sad to say, and you know, we've learned this through all these episodes, but in a lot of places, there's not much evangelism going on at all. Uh, yeah. And then, then you start looking at men and men that can do this. Then you start looking at women can do this. Can women be involved in evangelism? Uh, yes, they can. And more women have been involved in teaching others. I think than what we even have any idea about it. And like you say, they can develop relationships. They can have meetings and have studies that where we can't because you know we're married and we're men and, and just the, the dynamic of all of that. But there's so many women in the congregations that are. I mean, they're teachers. They've got backgrounds. They've, they're good in relationships and and they can they can open doors that that you and I never could and. Uh, so we're trying to do that, too, to encourage the women. We're trying to encourage, and I, you mentioned this, that uh, the two-by-two, two, where you and I go out and work together, uh, or get two women to go out and work together, because we have each other's back and we could be supportive. And, and then uh, just to duplicate the work, if you will, is uh, just, a, I, I think, a critical, critical part of the whole process. Uh, um, yeah, the, uh, you mentioned there, too, relationships. Uh, we could talk a lot about that. And uh, believe it or not, Matt just gave me the the signal. We've got five minutes. (laughs) All right. Relationships. Uh, How critical are relationships in doing the Lord's work? How critical is it for us to learn how to interact with people that we don't know, even with people we know? Uh, And I'm talking out, it's obviously critical that we have relationships in uh, with other brothers and sisters and in some places that can be a challenge, but especially when we're evangelism, when we're trying to reach out to people in the community of learning how to do that. And I think there's a some people are more outgoing than others, obviously. And But there's things like you learn Spanish Well, we can learn how to build relationships. We can learn how to do that and, and get to know people in the community. You mentioned the meetups. Share with us what you've done. Uh, maybe there's somebody on here that hadn't heard what a meetup is. Tell, tell everybody what you're doing.
0: Yeah, so that's something that the church here did before I came. And I I do a meetup on on Monday almost consistently. We just work through the book of Mark right now. And that's uh, just kind of the, the standard pattern. I'll just kind of work through different uh, different books and that kind of thing. It started in person. And COVID changed it to where it's online now. And now I'm kind of stuck in this like uh kind of in between because I have people that come regularly that are in other places that are not here in Chattanooga. And so it's kind of like, well, should I have something in person? Should I have something online? Um and so anyway, we uh we have regular regular visitors on that, and so that's been that's been very good.
1: Well, you ever gonna go back to in person?
0: I, I mean, I guess maybe I I, the I, thing know, is, that, I mean, it is it, it, it there's a convenience factor to it, I think, for them and for me. True. But uh, I also like, you know, when you're sitting there in a coffee shop or whatever, you may have other people come up and say, hey, what are y'all doing? And you can talk to people a little bit longer and and that kind of thing. So.
1: Well, I think, uh, again, that's that's so good. But yeah. Keep doing the things that you're doing. And, uh, uh, and I, so I, we have this too, at the end of almost every episode, we start calling it the one thing. So somebody is listening to this and maybe you've got them fired up. Maybe they're thinking, you know what, maybe just say there's a lot of Hispanics here in the area. And I had, I even took Spanish and, and I've <laughs> never done anything with it, you know? Uh, <laughs> but uh, I say this all the time. I look at people and I'll go, Knowledge is power, right? Knowledge is power, mm-hmm. and when I'm doing that, if you're nodding your head, I will do. It's kind of like you on it, you know. It's if I'm not. Knowledge, knowledge is power, right? And they go, yeah. I go, no. It's applied knowledge. It's taking okay. the things that you've learned and apply it, and uh, and uh, I just always have fun doing that. But it, it makes people stop and think. So. Somebody's listening. What's one thing that you would say that they need to do or learn how to do, uh, Shane, to be uh, better in in evangelism?
0: I've thought about that a lot, Dan. And it's not actually even related to Spanish, even though I think that, um, you know, I would encourage people to do that kind of thing. I made I had a realization after years of preaching that I had never gone through and read the Bible for myself. I'm talking about read the entire thing all for myself. And if there's one thing that I would tell someone and uh, in, in this, and there's a part that kind of builds out of this is you have got to actually sit down and read the Bible for yourself and like find a plan that has it to where it unfolds the story. It keeps the whole books together and that kind of thing. I've, I've got a plan that's helped me a lot on that kind of thing. And as part of that, I think as you do that, you'll be able to explain the story. You'll be able to explain, uh, you know, various parts of it that maybe stand out to you that you want to try to teach people. But I just over and over, uh, I just come back to um, we just got to read. We've got to read it. And, uh, you know, it seems so simple. But if you dig around and you ask, hey, have you read the Bible for yourself? Well, I've read parts of it. I've heard the preacher talk about it, but um, it just that's one thing that I would encourage people to do.
1: Good. No, that's that's excellent. So. All right. Somebody wants to reach out to you. Are you Are you willing to share your contact information?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so you can you can send me an email. My, it's just my name. It's Shane underscore Millard at Hotmail dot com. And then um, if you would like to, you know, shoot me a text or give me a call or something like that, um, I, I'm on Facebook. I'm not on there all the time, but you can you can message me through that or um, just my number is 936-615-6805.
1: Well, thank you for that. And, uh, you know, we really everybody's so busy and, and I really do appreciate you taking the time this morning to uh, squeezes into your schedule and, and to do this and, uh, keep, uh, uh, keep doing the work that you are. And, uh, you know, we not to, to close on negative things And this is, is, not so much negative as it is reality, but, uh, there's enough, there's a preacher shortage right now. Uh, there's a, on the average about two conservative congregations that are closing a month. And a lot of that is because evangelism is not being done in communities. And uh, so that's part of what we're trying to do here is to stir people up and find people like Shane that are that are on fire doing this and, and motivate you to keep going. And you motivate us. And and uh, <laughs> and that's what we're, spo- we're supposed to keep each other stirred up. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah. I told you uh, the reason I listened to this and actually started was because I needed to be stirred up. And even now, I still like, hey, I I I need to do better. I need to work on this better. And so I appreciate the opportunity. I kind of feel, uh, feel blessed, but also kind of like, oh, I should I be talking about this? But yes, you should. I'm, I'm yeah. thankful. I'm thankful for you, uh, inviting me.
1: Well, again, thank you so much. And, and, uh, give the brethren our best there, uh, uh, at church there in North Hickson. And, uh, Lord willing, we'll get to meet in person sometime. You know Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that'll work that'll work. Alright. Well thanks again, brother, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you, Dan. Yes, sir. Thanks, Shane. Melt my
1: heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.